Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show from FasterSkier.com. I'm Nat Herz. We're here this week with a recap of the very last World Cup weekend before this week's World Championships. It was three days of racing in Toblock, Italy. We've got a full breakdown, and we really do promise we'll be back with a mailbag episode before the World Championships kick off. If you've got questions for us, this is your last chance to get them into nat at fasterskier.com and devin at fasterskier.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Mount Bachelor Nordic Center. Located outside beautiful Bend, Oregon, the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center has 56 kilometers of daily groomed Nordic trails. With a season that typically runs late November until the end of May, Mount Bachelor has one of the longest Nordic seasons in North America. The Nordic Center hosts a full rental fleet, various instructional classes for all ages and abilities, an on-site retail store, and the cozy Nordic cafe. So be sure to check out this winter wonderland this season. To learn more about tickets, passes, and resort amenities, go to mtbachelor.com. It seemed like a pretty good weekend of, of racing. I was, uh, as, as I explained to you, I was I was not paying as close attention as, as usual. I was up uh, watching some dance performances uh, up like on the Arctic Ocean. So um, we'll probably leave most of the... Uh, you know, incisive analysis to you as, as I usually do. No, I was, uh, it was an interesting weekend. Like, I mean, we usually don't get a whole lot of hate mail with my negativity, but we get some, we lost one listener at least uh, with uh, multiple emails of just like rage emails that were too negative with the, the men's field at times in men's distance field. So Luckily, he sent us a like his last hate email was he's out and he he's done. So we're down to 11 listeners and good riddance. Like, get out of here. Like, we don't need you. We don't need you around here. If you can't. You know, to quote the great Torana Hetland, the truth hurts. And, you know, like if you can't handle the truth then get out of here. Uh, yeah. So I, I was a bit I was on such a high after Leroux. Honestly, I was like, oh, my God, like I've this is what the world cup needs. Like I, I loved last weekend's racing so much. And you I mean like Toblock's a, been a good venue to me. My first world cup victory of my career was in Toblock. It's a beautiful venue. They do a great job. The organizing committee does a great job every year. Um, people are psyched to race there. I was always psyched to race there. It's an interesting course. I mean, it's on the easy side of things. Um, I am, the- I, can, I, can I interject really quick and just also add that <clears throat> as a veteran international ski journalist, uh, Toblock is, is the only uh, cross-country ski venue. And I, I like hate to admit this because it makes it sound like a really cushy job when normally like I'm just eating peanut butter and jelly that I literally had to like smuggle into Europe because there's no peanut butter in Europe. Um, but, but, uh, Tobac is like the only place where we, where, where there was like the tourism bureau was serving in the press room, like uh, risotto with like whatever seasonal pine flavoring is from, uh, the Italian Alps. And I mean, who, who doesn't, who doesn't love incredible, um, I totally for sure. Yeah. Dolomites. I'm going to correct you because we're in the Dolomites, oh, yeah. dude. Toblox yeah. in the Dolomites, and uh, it's no. So it's a gorgeous venue. It's an absolutely gorgeous venue, and so it's not that. And it had good snow. You know, like sometimes Toblox is it can be a little thin on snow, which which doesn't take anything away from the TV production for us watching on TV. But like as an athlete, it can be like a bit of a bummer because it is beautiful skiing. 
when there's good soakage, but it had, so it had everything, it had everything except my excitement. Like I, I, I would just like, you can't have a race in France that is just like mayhem that is bringing me right back to home and colon, like uh, the vibes in home and colon every March with like tens of thousands of screaming stoked fans to like some old Italian dudes in that venue you talked about, which is beautiful eating like free cheese and drinking grappa. I mean, like it, it's, I don't know, but anyways, we're going to get to it. Cause we're going to start with like the, the, an exciting race. There was some exciting races. I agree with you. The, the women's sprint. Um, I, I kind of like this, like, I'm, I'm usually not a fan of two lap sprint courses or like kind of where you're coming in and out of the stadium. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's uh, a lot of the time I'm like, really, we can't do better than this, but Yes, I won in Toll Black on a course that is very similar. They changed the last uphill just a tiny little bit, but honestly, it's pretty much the same course. So I do like it. But the women's sprint, I thought, had a lot of like interesting storylines. I guess like the big, big story for me that I'll just start with off the, the gun, I, I don't know, on the women's side of things, like the Norwegian women have really been the sensation in the story of, of the season after they're huge underdogs and people were thinking that it was going to be just a raunch fest of a season and they've delivered like week in week out. Uh, but in this sprint, like they had nobody in the final and that, that surprised me. Tyria Lindsvang, who's the overall world cup leader. She, uh, she, she was sick after the tour and hadn't trained. She didn't have COVID, but she didn't train for two weeks, like 14 days. And she probably had the same thing I had. She had the same thing I had, man. I probably would have been treating her. I'm not treating anybody, but uh, doc, real doctors would be treating her, but I'm just kidding. Uh, but she was out for a long time and she had a raunch, she had a raunch day. I mean, like she's, she's not back. No question. She's, she's definitely not at her, at her best level. Um, uh, but I mean, what can you say? The story of the story of the, the women's sprints is like when the Swedish women's sprint team is firing on all cylinders, they ski better than you. Technically they're more aggressive than you. And they make smarter decisions than you. And that's why they just crush. And this was another beatdown. They had four Swedish women in the final. They go one, two. Sundling, I, I actually kind of like wanted to ask you about that. Like every single heat, Sundling looks so in control. It, it's like Birgen-esque. Like Birgen at her peak when she didn't lose a sprint for years in like 2003, four, five kind of thing, where she was unstoppable, Mart Birgen. It was, it, it reminds me of that. I mean, like Sundling in that sprint was like, no one was going to touch her. Like it wasn't even a question. She was never threatened. She was never under pressure and she made it look easy. Dahlquist, it's nice to see Dahlquist like back. She's, she's, uh, well, I mean, back, she's been on the podium a bunch this year, but when you want win back to back to back to back, like she did last year on the world cup, you know, she's had a slower season than she had before, but I thought Dahlquist looked great. And then of course, like Diggins, uh, Alex really touched on this last week when we had him on or when he like jumped on the podcast best decision Diggins ever made was not racing in Livigno and getting her energy back and what I saw of Diggins this weekend was amazing she had she had great energy and she was making good tactical decisions to really working the terrain where she's best and I mean that's the flatter terrain the gradual flat terrain and some cornering I don't think you could have asked for a better race out of Diggins on, on the day. And, and she ends up third. She's back on the podium. Looks great doing it too. I mean, yeah, her technique's a bit wild uh, on some of the climbing sections, but she's one of the best skiers in the world. Her capacity is out, outstanding. 
it's her technique is her technique. I mean, like Justina Kowalczyk was the best skier in the world for a number of years. And as far as I'm concerned, like barely could ski. So, so you just, you do have to have a high capacity. I, so I really thought that was cool. I thought it was cool to see Gimler in the final too. I, I, I thought the women's sprint was fun. I was also one last thing before I ask you your thoughts on it. It's like Fenrich. I, I was kind of expecting a bit more of Fenrich after seeing how well she was skiing earlier in the season. That said, a lot of crashes too. And that, that, that surprised me. I mean, Toblak isn't some snaky, weird course. There's a lot of people hitting the deck that it's, I think maybe, I, I don't know what it was. I guess like, I, I actually don't really know what happened. I mean, it's, it was windy. It was warm, like kind of icy transitiony snow. And I know that that can be tricky, but man, I, I was really surprised, especially on the women's side of things. Like, man, a lot of people hit in the deck. I don't have a whole lot to, to add. I mean, I think I, I agree about Jesse Diggins. I mean, it's like seeing her looking just completely on form two weeks before we get into world championships. I feel like that. That's really encouraging. Um, and Sundling, like, I, you know, it's just looking, I think you could go all the way back to last season to kind of um, track the start of what we're seeing now from her. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, she's winning qual- sprint qualifiers by like a number of seconds over you know, fields that are really good, really talented. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it just was a little disappointing to see that she got kind of derailed at the beginning of the, of this season, because we've talked about this a bunch, like at the end of last season, she was just looking, she was looking like the next coming of or Petter North or something, you know, where she was mixing it up in these distance races and, you know, kind of easily skiing into the top 10, if not onto the, podium so um I don't know I it, it's I I feel like uh with Sundling it's still I, I agree with you about sort of the level of control that she's been racing these sprint heats with um at the same time I I also feel like I'm not like bored watching the races with her in them yet not with, at with, all with I agree um, yeah exactly I, I I'm gonna jump in on that because like the way she's it's almost a bit like Klebo in sprints you know what I mean like even some races when Johannes wins by like, it's like, it's done before it starts. Nobody's skiing like Sindling in sprints either. Like even Dahlquist, who's like super powerful or, or Linsvon that's quite powerful as well and strong and hitting her angles. Well, there's just nobody skiing like Sindling. Like she is skiing so incredibly beautifully. It's like, and beautifully powerful, like, like, not like, not like it's pretty skiing, but it's, it's really powerful skiing. And you don't see that in the women's field that doesn't come around every single day, honestly, like that style of power. I mean, like it almost reminds me of like the late Vivekka Skoftrud, like when she was in her best shape in skating, she was almost like skiing, like a man, like the way they would, they're, using their core, recruiting their core strength, low shoulders, and just driving the power into the snow. And, and I agree with you. It's not boring watching Sunling make a fool of the field. Like it's, 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 it's gorgeous. Um, the, the only other thing I was going to say is just, I mean, how, how much, how awesome is, must it be right now to be the coach of the Swedish team where 
Um, I mean, not that you have any doubt, but you get ready and uh, look at your look at the field at the start of the women's final. And they're like four of your athletes in a six woman final. And you're like, cool. They could all break both of their poles uh, at the start line. And someone today, like four, four Swedish women in the final. And, you know, I mean, I feel like we could, we could see four Swedish women in the final. We could see five Swedish women in the final at world championships with uh, Hogstrom. So um, it's just, it's just kind of crazy the level that, that those guys are racing at and have been able to maintain really for the past couple of years. And then um, just would also, you know, make a quick shout out to the Germans who had uh, Laura Gimler, I think in her first ever uh, sprint final, and then also uh, Coletta Rizek and Victoria Carl in, in seventh and eighth. So those guys are, you know, hitting their, hitting their stride at, at the right time. Um, should we move on to the, should we move on to the men? Yeah, let's move on to the men's sprints. Uh, Cause yeah, I agree with you. The German women were fantastic in, in the sprint and that's really exciting. I mean, they, they won the team sprint at the Olympics last year. This isn't a surprise that they can round into form and, but they're a great team too. Honestly, uh, Henning got sick also after the tour, which is too bad. So that's why she's been a little scarce. So there's been a lot of sickness after, after the tour to ski, which is, which is fairly normal. I mean, it's, uh, even though the tour to ski is a shadow of its former self, it's still, there's a lot of, I think it's the traveling, honestly, it's not really the load from the racing because the racing load is pretty much nothing. It's two race weekends and then a couple of races in the middle of the week. It's like, it's not a big load, but, but the travel and the stress is, uh, gets on top of people. It's a lot of different hotels. You're going to a lot of buffets, a lot of gas stations. You're stopping at. They're just exposed to a lot of stuff in, in the tour to ski. So people get sick. But I wanted to say one thing before we get to the men too. Uh, Julie Kern was having a great race. Um, she's in great shape too, and she biffed it and hit the deck there um, around the last corner, which was which was too bad to see because I think I think it could have been a an amazing opportunity for Julia. She's shown uh she's ha- she's having just such a wonderful season and such a bounce back season after after some challenges earlier um you know a few seasons ago a number of seasons ago she was outstanding like breakout performances and then then hit quite the dip so it's really fun to see her to see julia be so stable and she was going to have a great sprint as well so people that didn't get to watch the race and just like kind of peruse the results on the fist website and it's like oh man this is a weird day for julia like um the results lie a little bit. I think Julia was, uh, it would have been shocking if she wasn't at least in the semifinal um, in the, in the kind of shape she's in. So I'm popping in for a pitch here. I help out 2018 Olympian Rosie Frankowski periodically at a ski clinic for kids in an underserved area of Anchorage. The neighborhood actually has the most diverse census tract in America. The clinic is awesome. These kids are super pumped about skiing, but a whole bunch of them are spending their time outside with us in the middle of the Alaska winter without any gloves on, which is absurd. So we're looking for some donations of new or used kids or adult gloves, or there's even an option to make a tax deductible contribution if that's something you want to think about. Drop me a line at nat at fasterskier.com if this is something you're interested in, and I can connect you with Rosie. Well, we can move to the men's. I mean, I thought it was an exciting, the sprints. Yeah. I thought it was exciting. Like I said, Klebo is straight up back. And I, I mean, he made a mockery of, <laughs> he made a mockery of the day, honestly. Uh, but I am a broken record with this. And Alex is a broken record when we have him on here. Anyone that has a lot of experiences 
Klebo finds lines and skis lines that no one else can find. And he can start heats in sixth, like he was doing, and just make his way up, no problem. And it almost seems like Moses parting this, like the ocean, the sea, like it, it, the Red Sea, like how is this happening? But I'm telling you, it's you're witnessing greatness that we've never seen in cross country skiing before. And yeah, Petter Nortag was amazing. Yeah, Bjorn Dolly was amazing. But the way, the way Klebo solves these these challenges is outstanding. And I think there's a lot to learn there. I think there's a lot to learn about how much poise he skis with and how calm he is. And not that I'm ever like worried that he's, Oh, he's going to be boxed out sitting so back in the field. Cause I, everyone knows how good he is now, but still, still, even that, even, even when it's inevitable, I'm really in awe of what he, what he does out there. And especially moving, moving through a pack. There's no one that does it better. He made a total, yeah, like I said, a complete mockery of, of the race and and walks away with an, with an easy victory really cool to see tugbo hover tugbo back uh he had a hamstring injury earlier this season and they put him out for a number of weeks and he was just having like such an amazing day in the sprint and i don't know if you caught this but in the semi-final at the finish line when he had made the final grom this the young swiss athlete like just pile drove him like body checked him um coming across the finish line with like epic speed and, and Hobart's just standing there and took him out. And he was actually like really reaching for his shoulder and he was, it looked bad. Like when you, we saw the replay like a number of times, and, Oh my God, like this could be really bad. Um, but you know, he, he bounced back. Obviously it wasn't as bad as it looked the, the even though the, the force of that body check looked <laughs> pretty big, even though it was not Grun's fault. He, he was just coming across the finish line with epic speed and couldn't stop. And, uh, so it was cool. I thought it was cool. Really, really cool to see Tugbo back. Pellegrino, uh, Wiley veteran. And again, a little bit like a little bit like Clebo, honestly, for me. I didn't think I didn't think Pellegrino looked all that great in the sprint, honestly. He was just making the right decisions. He was he was very patient and he was putting himself in positions that he needed to be every single time. And I think you saw that in the final too. Like it's it's he was not contesting with with Tugbo really like when they, when they turned on the jets, um, he really wasn't a factor, uh, even though it, it looks like it was close. I mean, it was, it was like 0.16 or whatever, but when you watch the race and just how it played out, um, I didn't think he looked that sharp. I mean, he beat Klebo and Davos. Let's not forget that. And, he, but he still comes third and a wonderful performance by him. And like Edwin Anger is, Man, it, like Porma, I mean, this is like the Porma Appreciation Podcast, as everyone knows, but but uh, we might have to change it to the Anger Podcast, too, because the young Swede is also really, 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 really impressive making all these finals like this. And he's knocking out the door. And how fun would it be for Sweden and him if the breakthrough comes at World Championships? How fun would that be if those po- that podium finally happens at World Championships? He's due because... He's putting together like a string of a string of great races. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the sprint itself, it was a, a bit of a darker day for for the U.S. You know, you had you had Logan in 27th, which is which is fun for 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 an athlete that doesn't have a whole lot of international experience. And then Ben, I mean, Benny, I love that we're in a place where we're disappointed that Ben's 17th in the World Cup. Like, I love that that's where we live right now. But um 
you know, just wasn't, wasn't on one. It wasn't on like his top form and, and just wasn't skiing. I mean, he's a little bit like, I mean, I, it's hard to ever say he skied beautifully out there, but I mean, it's like, he, he just didn't look super sharp to me either, but that's, that's fine. And that's good. You don't need to be sharp right now, but. Um, and, and he was just, you know, just back from, uh, from, yeah, the, from the U S US, so probably a little exactly. Bit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then one last thing, I, I, you know, we touched on, I think you brought it up some weeks ago, but like Kevin, like Kevin Bolger, like for a guy that's been in the semifinals a number of times now in his career, um, is a lot more comfortable in Europe since he's together with Maya Dahlquist. So he spent a lot of time in, in Sweden and also in, in Europe in general over the last number of seasons. I'm, I'm really like, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I thought, I thought Kevin would take a real step in the right direction this season. And it, it's just not, it's, it's, he's not able to solve this, this, uh, this puzzle. And I'm, I'm a bit at a, at a loss really. I mean, he, he's, he's missing prologues quite often and if you're a sprinter missing prologues that's never a, that's never a great thing and it's it's becoming a habit now and oof, I, I feel for him because it's going to be tough for for him to turn the ship around but he's you know he, he's shown that when he's on form that he, he can do it but I, he was an athlete a little bit like julia honestly uh, a number of years ago where i'm like oh wow like he's really knocking on the door and something special could happen and i, I expected big things and it just hasn't it hasn't panned out for Kevin yet it's just been really up and down I mean to the semis and in Lavinia looking pretty sharp and that obviously was not a very uh you know as physically demanding a course but it also was at at altitude so yeah I mean it would be interesting to see kind of where uh Kevin Bolger gets after world championships in the end of this season um one question I actually had for you that I meant to bring up on the last podcast was like uh, Eric Valnes was like off the world cup for more than a month. Like, and then he was racing Scando cup. Did he just get sick? And now he's back. I feel like his, his presence was like very lightly felt on the world cup at the beginning of the season. And now he's just kind of back with a vengeance for sure. Exactly. Uh, Eric Valnes was fourth in the sprint, which was a great performance. And he's actually been in great shape. Like you said, he won Norwegian nationals. He's been in really good shape, but he, in some of the world cups, he's fallen and it's just, you know, made bad, bad decisions. So, so we had a great sprint to come forth and, uh, but you're right. He, he got sick and then it put him out for a long time for a number of weeks. And this is just kind of like a reoccurring theme for a lot of these top athletes this year, especially, I feel like there's been a lot of respiratory illness in, in Europe and in the US and in Canada. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with how we lived in as monks for a number of years. And then the society has really kind of like opened up and you've had a, a lot of a lot of people with respiratory illnesses that's that spread easily, especially when you're in such good shape. So so Valness was definitely in that camp as well. And uh, yeah, I, I, his presence is missed. I love Valness. I mean, like I it's I what a talk about power like the guy is just like the definition of power when he's skiing he's also he's from northern norway and um my wife's family's from northern norway and i love northern norway i wish i could be living in northern norway although not with the weather but um so i always cheer for i always cheer for people from way up there so it's uh it's cool to see him back and it's cool to see him like with the world championships rounding up around the corner a lot of fun stuff to follow at the world championships i mean uh, I'll get to it because we're going to move on to the distance races. You know, this is just like I'm quoting Torna Hetland all, all podcast here, but um, uh, Torna Hetland, uh, Olympic champion in 2002 in the sprint and all around legend. 
and he knows it too so you don't have to remind him he's 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 well aware he he's a legend he'll he'll tell you uh but he, he has like a famous famous saying that he always used to say is like well we know whoever wins the 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 last world cup before the world championships is a guarantee not to win the gold medal for <laughs> at the world championships and if that holds true it'll be interesting because i thought like we'll start with the women's 10k i mean Abby anderson back-to-back victories in 10k skates and she did it looking really really good uh in toll block i put all my money i mean i didn't but i mean virtually like or theoretically I, like jesse diggins it's just her best venue by far I mean, Toblock is Jesse Diggins' best bit. It's not even funny. No one can ski that gradual downhills with corners at the bottom like Diggins and carrying her speed around there. And Diggins had a great race. I mean, another podium. And I, I'm gonna have I mean, I mean, I'm gonna have to eat my words because I said after her tour to ski performance where she was 11, that I, that it was like, man, like the overall's gone, done, dusted. And she's still got a long way to go to win the overall, honestly. It's like over 150 points, but still. If she's podiuming in every skate race like this, uh, it looks good. But second with the fall, so Diggins biffed it in the skate race. So I'm not sure she would have won. It's hard. It's hard to know. I, I think that's irrelevant to part of the game is keeping the black side down. You got to keep. You got to stay on your feet to win. But uh, still, to be second in a World Cup with the fall is just crazy. Uh, another thing that's a little just crazy, and I know I'm going to get some hate mail for this, but there's just something about these women in like drama. <laughs> like, I mean, Diggins, I mean, she hurt her knee apparently, but uh, it was just like, I don't know. It's just so much drama. It's like, if it's Frida Carlson or like Jesse Diggins, like she's getting carried by teammates. Like it's a whole, like that was later, but still like, it's, it's like a whole, uh, it's a whole thing, but regardless, amazing performance by Diggins. And I thought that, I thought the women's, like all season long, I thought the women's race for the 10K was super exciting. I uh, had a lot of fun storylines. Ingveld back on the podium, you know, my wife's good friend. So we know Ingveld really, really well. And it, it was really cool to see her be on the right side of that, you know, Fenrik and just an immense 10K, like fourth in a 10K skate. Like, where did, what that, a season. where did that come from? Where did that come from? Where did that come from? It's, what a, a beautiful performance. And that's fun too. Cause now she's got more legs to stand on at the world championships. Now it's like, you know, being top five, top six at the world championships in the, in the 50, in, in the 10 K skate. Sorry. It's like, it's a, it's something that can, it's something that is realistic. It, it could happen. And I never would have thought that. And then like Rosie Brandon, we talk about this all the time, how stable she is fourth in the tour to ski fifth in the 10 K skate. It's, it's a bit like uh Unger, you know, you just, you, you hope that, you know, at the world championships, when it matters that Rosie gets paid, we talked, you talked about this last time, but I mean, man, I would love to see Rosie uh, take a medal at, at the world championships. He's been so stable this season again. And I feel like a bit under the radar. If I, like, if I said like Diggins can be like a bit of a, well, I, I called her a drama queen. I guess I kind of have to stand by it a little bit. I, I'm not going to call her a drama queen. I'll walk that back, but I, I'll say it's like, she's getting more dramatic as the years would go by. Uh, Whereas Rosie's like complete opposite, like head down, doing her thing, just crushing. Um, you know, she's like, she's like an old school climber. You know what I mean? Like, like play, don't spray. You know, like you never, you never hear or see like Rosie spraying. She's just doing her thing and doing it well. And another great performance by her.
what else did you see in the in the well, I'm curious. I mean, I just, yeah, the kind of diversity in the top 10, like uh, you also had Claudel in with a really solid race again in sixth. Uh, Sundling was up there in eighth. Julia Kern was 10th. Um, is this a full world championships like level of difficulty distance course or like, like, and how is this going to come? I mean, Planitza obviously is going to have to have a, a much more kind of challenging. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of curious to no, I guess how much these results are a little bit like anomalous from a more challenging distance course. But the other thing, um, the other thing that I just want to talk about a little bit, I mean, uh, we saw Frida Carlson back from, uh, I think a, a little bit of illness, I think for the first time since tour to ski and, and she and 51 seconds back. I'm sure, uh, if, uh, you unmuted yourself right now, you would be saying, you know, Frida Carlson will be back and fit in time for Planitza. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, same thing, like you were saying with, um, uh, Tito Udnis Wang, who was 29th in this race, like a minute and a half down, um, just to kind of build on what you were saying. I mean, I feel like what we've seen this season, uh, and we'll get to it with Kruger as well. Like some of these star athletes, like who have been, you know, struggling with like illness or ups and downs. I feel like some of the ups and downs we've seen this season from, you know, pretty much everyone except for maybe Johannes Kleibo has just been, you know, it's really been remarkable. And, you know, I definitely, I definitely would rather be like a Jesse Diggins or an Abba Anderson at this point, kind of going into world champs. I I, I was going to joke that, you know, maybe, maybe Jesse Diggins took herself out on that course to avoid being the Torarna Hetland, uh, you know, race winner before world championships. Um, Cause I feel like sec you want to be second place. You don't want to be the, you don't want to be the winner. So um, for sure. You want to be second place. And like, I think that bodes so well. And I think, <clears throat> could this be the year? Like, could this be the year that Diggins takes? a championship individual gold, man, the skate race, jeez, uh, it would be, it'd be something else. And I think she's poised to do something pretty special. She's, she's in a great place and she's just knocking on the door and that's where you want to be. But Frida Carlson is really scary. I mean, Frida Carlson got sick after the tour um, and she's 11th and, you know, like it seems like a lot, like 11 seems like a, just a crisis really, but she's only 51 seconds behind. Do you know what I mean? And Frida, like, just look, just go back and look at her results from the last two world championships. And, and I repeat, cause I was there working for Eurosport and what she did in safe health as a junior. Let me, let me repeat you as a junior winning and really threatening Therese Johag who was at, at her peak uh Frida Carlson comes to play at the big championship so so I mean I'm not worried about that I am worried about Tyrell though I, like I I think like Tyrell is uh, I think this is this is a challenge when you're so far adrift and you're a shadow of your former self um and she was sick for many weeks like nothing like zero training for two weeks straight man that's bad timing and that I'm not sure she can come back from that honestly I, I would love it. I, she's amazing. And I would love to see her deliver at the world championships, but I'm, I'm, I, I think she's running out of time. I don't think, I don't think she has enough, enough days to, to train herself right back up at the top level and, and win, you know, like she was, but that said, no matter what happens. And I know our coaches who are amazing, the women's coaches, the new hires for the Norwegian team, like Shirola and stuff are just, uh, they're great. They're fantastic. So they're for sure telling her this, but it's important to remind athletes like Tyrell, no matter what happens, 
the, the steps you took this year were so phenomenal in the races and the magical moments that you gave your teammates and the staff and the country so far are so far beyond anybody's wildest expectations and dreams. And it's, it's more than enough that you can build on that for, for future seasons. So a lot of positives with Theodore Linda's Vang, same with Lotta, her sister, uh, both struggled, um, or her twin sister, uh, struggled in, in the 10 K. So, but uh, it's going to be awesome. World championships, female side of things, especially in the distance races and the sprints, like we said, even though the Swedish team's so good, they're so fun to watch. Yeah. The whole women's world championship is, is going to be one for the, one for the ages. I really, I really think it's going to be beautiful and uh, some beautiful performances and tight racing and, and lots of fun storylines to follow along. So, but uh, Jesse Diggins, if you want to put your money on somewhere, I mean, man, 10 K skate at the world championships, it's, I'm not going to say it's now or never because Jesse's going to keep crushing till she's going to be the next like Anders Auckland or whatever. I could just see her being like 50 and just doing Vassalop and stuff, but she's uh, it's a great opportunity for her to take some, do something pretty special. Um, you know what job I don't want is uh, whoever in Norway is responsible for picking the four dudes that are going to race the 10k in Planitza because uh, I mean at least at least the relief is of the seven that finished in the top seven in uh, in Toblak uh, at least Eva Tiltheim got invited to Planitza so you really only have to choose from six and i guess maybe <laughs> five guys or do they have a defending yeah, five okay. yeah okay. whole, yeah, whole really defending amazing. champion okay but maybe. uh the lord giveth and the lord taketh away and my excitement that was the 10k skate in laters because it was exciting yeah norway dominated there too but it was just tight and exciting and god i like i almost couldn't watch it like the 10k for the men was like Oh, that is an exciting storyline you just said because like who's going to get to start it was all this chatter that like Klebo has no podiums in the individual start skate races why is his name even in the discussion uh even though he's the best skier in the world and he said that he wants to do it uh you know there was still a lot of chatter here in Norway like shut up like even though you are the best you're in Norway buddy and there's a lot of great racers and now, well, now he has a podium, so he's 100% in the discussion. Paul Goldberg, we talked about this before. I told you what, what uh, Arnold said, that uh, watch out for Paul before the season started. You guys go back in the catalog to hear what I said about that. But like that Paul has completely changed his skating. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's 30. He did not completely change his skating. He did. We talked about this. I already said like, wow, I'm just, Arnold's right. Arnold knows. Paul Goldberg wins an individual start skate race. Like, am I drunk or something like crazy drunk because, or am I like Rumpelstiltskin and fell asleep for a hundred years and woke up like, this is bonkers. I mean, Paul Goldberg just won the skate individual stars. Like what a feather in your cap. Like now you've won individual start classic races. You've won sprints. Now you can say you've won individual start skate races too. the season that he's putting together. It's going to be just nutty that with the season he's putting together, he's not going to win the overall World Cup because Playboy's going to beat him. Like, what are the chances? Playboy's 15 World Cup wins this year. 15. We're, it's February. It's early February. So the season that Claybo's putting down is bonkers. And, and Paul's race was outstanding. Pitts Kruger, apropos Kruger, who's been all over the map, 
coming back from COVID. Leirus was just a week too early. He shut it down, like we've talked about so many times. Like Kruger had some early splits last week. You know, he was like probably down in like between 20th and 40th in early splits and just kind of cruised in and did it his own three. But 0.3 seconds, he almost bounced back and won. Didn't win. Uh, so Paul, most likely, I would say 95% chance he will not do the, the skate race at World Championships, which is a story in itself. Like, in what world does the person that wins a World Cup a week, like, right, not a week, but a couple weeks before, sit out the individual start skate race? Well, in Norway, they do. Uh, and Kruger, yeah, just like Diggins, man, second place is, the, is where you want to finish. And he, he looks like he's rounding in a form. I'm really interested with, with uh, Holland. Talked a lot about Holland's training over Christmas and stuff. He's the defending champion uh, from Oberstorf in the 15K. He won the 50K World Championship in, in Seefeld in one of the most beautiful performances I've ever seen in cross-country skiing by skiing away from the field and winning alone. But he's kind of struggling right now, and he hasn't been like right at his top form, but man, is he rounding into form for World Championship. So it'll be fun to see which Norwegians get to start. It'll be fun to see which Norwegians are in shape. You see Shurotta in 10th, only 23 seconds from winning the thing. And... Now you're like, whoa, is sure going to get a start for like an event that suits him amazingly well? Like, like just to, to what you said, uh, you're the eighth Norwegian in 10th place. It's crazy. Mach, good on Mach to be another solid race, but I'm sorry. Like races like this in Toblock on like kind of poorly filmed, um, a flatter course. And then just like Norwegian dominance like this. I'm sorry, man. Like it's, it's, it's almost hard for me to watch it. Uh, as beautiful as they're skiing, and we, we just talked about that for like 10 minutes or whatever, but I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you think, but there's just, this is just like, we've seen too many races like this, this year, men's distance racing some weekends just is it's boring. I mean, I, I do feel like I can get excited to see these races, like coming down to, I mean, like super tight finishes between these Norwegians. Um, and, and at the same time, I, you know, I hear what you're, you know, feel like this was not just the, you know, Norwegian national inter interval day. Um, one question I really do have for you is, um, it, I think it was, it was interesting to see Goldberg like back on such good, real, like clearly really amazing form this past weekend. I think, you know, cause he had been, he had been on fire since the very beginning of the season, kind of in the way where, you know, I feel like his results, I'm trying to remember, I just, I feel like he'd had a couple of results in the, in the previous couple of weekends where you were like, huh, I wonder if, you know, this is starting to, to wear down a little bit. Um, and then to see him like back, you know, kind of at peak, like, I am curious, do you think, I mean, I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, which is that, of course, Goldberg is going to be able to maintain this form through Planitza. But I guess maybe the more fun question is like, if you and and your level of athletic anxiety was Paul Goldberg right now, would you be a little nervous about what you were going to see from yourself uh, in two weeks, just knowing like the run of fitness that you have already had for two and a half plus months this season? 
Yeah, I think it's an interesting question also because like Paul, as good as he is doing right now in this season, it's not just as good. It's it's just a phenomenal. It's one of the most beautiful seasons any cross-country skiers put together, especially anyone that's been going to end up second in the overall World Cup. It's just out. It's crazy. But like, let's talk about Paul's championship. Paul Mares. The guy's won World Cups. You know, he's won World Cups before and he's been at, on top form, not this stable, but he's he's been good. And his championship record is it's horrendous is what it is. Like there's nothing, there's nothing there. Like anytime he's expected to do well at the, at the, on the big stage, he, he under delivers. And I know that's probably in his head and it shouldn't be, I hope, I mean, he's got good help and it shouldn't be because man, like what he's doing, if you can't take confidence from this, then you never will. And he's older and wiser now, but he's also had some pretty spectacular flops at, at championships and that's a hard place to be as a, a Norwegian skier so it'll be interesting another thing too that I think is super fascinating we didn't touch on it with Klebo's sprint victory Klebo was living in Lavazze or still Lavazze Pass which is just up from Val de Fiem uh, an altitude place a beautiful skiing when there's good snow it's two hours drive from Toblach without traffic he was day commuting so he wanted to maximize his night spent at altitude. So when he won the sprint, he, after the sprint was over, he jumped in a car, drove, or he didn't, but he got driven back up to Lavazze. Let, let, let's, let's, let's be clear. He's no Federico Pellegrino. No, driving. no, 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 exactly. That's that. He's not driving six hours and then beating Claybo. <laughs> but still, but still, I'm just fascinated by this. Uh, never in my wildest dreams would I think that an athlete could live at high altitude and drive four hours a day each day and end up the weekend with a gold and a bronze and a bronze in the event that he hasn't medaled this year, even with 15 world cup victories. Uh, this is that, 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 that's scary. So, so Claybo is going to be very scary for world championships. I think that's, that's obvious. Um, and yeah, other than that, I'm, I, I, I am pumped for like Lapalou man and Lapierre, like uh, great, great stuff by the young French athletes. They've been fun this whole season. So uh, great to see them have a good skate race too. And I, I hope that they can deliver like knock one off in the individual start 15 K skate at, at the world championships and plenty. So that, that, that's pretty fun. And then Scott Patterson, who has also been like all over the place this, this season, uh, the last few seasons, actually, like kind of, that's kind of the definition of Scott's career. He, when he's good, he's quite good, but not quite good enough. He's kind of like knocking at the door between like eighth and 15th when he's really good. And you're like, okay, now it's going to come. Like now he's going to crack into the top five here. And it just hasn't come yet. But this was a great, this was a great race for him. And it's a fast course. It's a flat course. It does not suit Scott's strengths whatsoever. And to see him 14th like that, super pumped. So that was a great performance by him. And then on the flip side, well, Hunter Scott, wonders, I like what happened? 55th think about how great a season he's had he ends up 55th in like a flat fast skate race so i i don't know what the hell happened there i mean i was really shocked to see hunter so far back but uh well well two two quick things i mean one we know that scott patterson is a championship specialist um so you know that guy always delivers when it counts um hunter wonders i mean i'm just i'm gonna say it i was kind of hilarious like i went into the local Fred Meyer grocery store in Anchorage like 
three days after the tour to ski and I'm like walking in and some guy in Alaska Pacific University like uh warm-ups is walking out and I'm like <laughs> Hunter wonders I was like hey Hunter what's going on and he was like who, who the hell are you and I was like that's fair um <laughs> but uh you know this was this was literally Hunter wonders first fist race since January 8th uh the you know final stage of the tour to ski and and dude comes all the way back to Alaska I don't know you know what what, what who who is the mastermind of Hunter Wonders travel and season but I mean that that's a hard thing to come all the way back from Alaska and you know be expecting top top form so I I hope we see Hunter Wonders like back on form after a couple of weeks of you know hard training for world championships and you know you know that guy's gotta expect to uh have a spot on the team so um I mean can we spend like uh, talking about a re about a set of relays that are not world championships relays like I really like why are we having relays two weeks before world championships when you know we know we're not going to see the a teams like I guess it's like great to have an opportunity to race for people who want to race but it, it just it feels like a total afterthought why are why are we doing this um I don't I mean there's there's one kind of key focal point here which I think is the uh disqualification of the German team for um not for for basically replacing an athlete who had a sore throat and not doing it correctly and now you've got uh cheese handoffs from the American the Germans and Peter Schlickenreader like basically publicly flailing himself on on social media or in in press reports uh Schlickenreader's the coach of the German team um for messing up but also like did we really have to go through all this I don't know that maybe that's the perfectly fine starting place for the recap of Sunday's races yeah I mean I'll just parrot what you said sometimes the fifth schedule makes no sense to me it's like distance relays yeah they're kind of fun uh, on the world cup, I, I, I would hate to see them go completely, but yeah, do we really need to put it like the last race before world championships? Like there was so many other places in the schedule to put a, a relay, you know what I mean? Instead of this. So, so I totally agree with you. Like the, not the time to do it. Um, no excitement, a athletes skipping it like top athletes, skipping, skipping the relay, uh, but Goldberg didn't race like, um, Playboy didn't race. Cause of course, like it's a heavy schedule and you got to you got to, you know, kill your darlings, you know? Um, so totally like no argument for me, like a total afterthought, get it out of here. But on the other side, it's like, we have a skiathlon that's happening at the world championships and it's February, whatever it is today, February 6th. And I have not seen a skiathlon on TV this whole year. Like there's been no skiathlons and it's like, I'm sorry, Fist, but like, what are we doing? If you can have a championship event, give me a skiathlon once, at least, preferably twice before the championship and the relays on the World Cup. Just use your head a little bit before, like, just splattering them in where, like, nobody cares and it's an afterthought. So, I completely agree. That said, Italy won the men's race for the first time in 17 years. They haven't won a World Cup relay since back in the decente pietro pillar cotter like heyday 
Uh, so it's been a long, long time coming. And I think it was 2006, actually. Yeah, it was 2006. George W. Bush was president. Yeah, George W. <laughs> Bush was president. Yeah. So, uh, so, so great for the Italians. Uh, Pellegrino skied a tactically perfect race and delivered amazingly well in the final. Uh, Edvin Anger, again, just taking up so much space. No one could get around him. I thought that was really fun to see, actually, on the, on the skate leg when you saw on the last skate skate exchange when you saw like they of course they swallowed up uh they swallowed up Amundsen which we can talk about that a little bit or we don't need to but letting your teammate dangle like giving him 10 seconds is the stupidest I mean I get it Kruger wants to have a good race and he's better than everyone else so why not just like do the best you can but it puts it puts Amundsen in a horrible position in a flat fast seven and a half K to dangle him out like 10 seconds ahead of the pack when he's just going to get munched. And then he's not the best sprinter and he doesn't have, he doesn't have any like time to do anything. So that was, that was interesting, but yeah, Pellegrino winning that was, was cool. Um, but, uh, and it's great to see Valness, uh, in the first leg of his, if his race, uh, just completely destroy the, the first leg. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do in the scramble leg. Scramble leg usually just stays together because people are watching each other. So that was interesting. And that's kind of it for the men's race. And then for the women's race, I also find it just so weird. Like you, you like Schlickenrider is right to kind of like get on his knees and beg forgiveness. Cause they, the German women just delivered like such a beautiful performance, like really beautiful performance. I think like, like, like a really inspired race. Um, and like the least, the team could do was just follow the rules and put the you, you can't just have like secret orders and like trade bibs back and forth and just like put random people in even if people are sick there's a there is procedures you have to follow so the, it, sadly it was the right decision for for fit it was the only decision fizz had was to disqualify them uh but but i mean cool on really cool of the americans to just understand that they got beat fair and square and the americans weren't on the podium this weekend and um you know they they will be for the history books and like uh, podium pictures and stuff like that but they also know that they they didn't have as good a race as, as the other teams and uh, amazing race for norway actually i thought Celia tedersen's last leg especially was really impressive and she was skiing with a lot of poise and confidence to to bring norway home a, a victory after a pretty tough weekend other than ingveld's um bronze medal in the 10k this weekend so but I, I i agree with you man like i think the relays like we could Fitz just has to look at the schedule i think i think that's that's what it comes right down to it i mean uh, like it, it's yeah i just uh the one the one thing i would add is that uh it cost uh it cost those german women i think uh euros a piece uh, to be disqualified from a second place finish. And, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, cross-country skiing. Let me tell you, it's, uh, it's not, it's not the lucrative world of journalism or, or cross-country ski podcasting. So, uh, yeah, that hurt. Hey, well, we made made it through, uh, last weekend of racing before the first ever world championships in Planica, Slovenian, Slovenia, uh get rolling it's, uh, it, we'll have to we'll have to get uh maybe we'll have to get harvey back on for uh, oh yeah questions, uh beforehand and uh we'll for also sure. we'll also be back in the days before world championships with uh with a with a long-awaited uh mailbag podcast for sure some special guests 
So. Yeah, for sure. We got we have a lot of great questions. We're looking forward to answering them on the air before we sign off for today. Big things happened in Canada last week. We touched on it a bit last weekend, but it was the World Under 23 and World Juniors, which was back in Canada for the first time since 1997 when it was in Canmore. This was in Whistler. Bill Clinton uh, was president. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bill Clinton was president. Think, oh my God, think about that. Uh, he had some fun in the Oval Office. Let's just put it that way. Um, it was a different time. It was a, it was a different time. Um, it's... Uh, was really cool to see to see world juniors in, in canada they actually like showed it on nrk too so i got to watch them those was pretty fun um it was a huge lift for the organizing committee and all the volunteers and some key individuals when provincial funding got pulled at the like the last second that had to put in insane amounts of money in a short period of time to pull this like, off and they did provincial so, funding got pulled at the last second what's going on yeah. there yeah, well, I don't want to get all into the politics, but with, with three months, well, with with three months to go, with three months to go, hundreds of thousands of dollars that were promised and like really promised evaporated, which is not good when you're inviting the whole world for jumping or to combine and cross country to your venue in Whistler, which is already an expensive place to be. It looked great. The competitions were fantastic. I just wanted to run through like just there was some. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I'm not, we're not going to go through the results that, that we're not going to do, but I, here's some, because like they're juniors, they're under 23s, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, they're in development. So it's not, it's not for me to analyze like their performances. Everybody's a winner, especially at the world junior level. I think it's cool that you get a chance to, some of these people will be the future superstars of the sport that will follow along and, and be the next Claybos and, and stuff. And, and some others, you know what, this will be that the pinnacle of their racing career. And it's, and that's, what a what a way to have a pinnacle of your racing career to to see all Europeans and Japanese athletes and and, and there was athletes from all over the world Korea like uh, competing at an international competition regardless of your results. That said, I do want to say a little disappointed with the American results on the under twenty three side of things. When I looked at the start list, I I saw it just like super stacked. I mean, you had like Lockley there, you had McCabe there, Sydney was there. I mean, it looked like a mega stack field. You had Gus and competing in North America. I'm like, man, this is a great, great opportunity to, to get some hardware. And, and that didn't happen. Um, the Canadian junior women had some phenomenal results in Allison Mackey and the under 23 women, Jasmine Lyons, who goes to school in, well, not where not your alt, uh, matter, but, um, she goes to school in New Hampshire university in new hampshire she had some top 15 finishes in the under 23 categories which was really really fun to see tough to see xavier mckeever who was a big favorite he was ranked third uh coming into it last year was fifth and sixth at world juniors and he had a really really tough championship so my heart goes out to him but anyone that's a fan of xavier mckeever knows that this is just a bump in the road and when you're a junior man sometimes it's just sometimes it just doesn't go your way and let me tell you this having one top 30 in my world junior career nobody cares so just keep keep fighting the good fight and you'll have you'll have better races to come other fun events there's joe davies who is british we talked about him a little bit when he had such a great world cup in in lillehammer two top 15 finishes and he beat gus schumacher when he was 13th in the 10k uh, skate at under 23s this is a great story i mean the guy 
is Canadian. I know he has British passport and he races for Britain now and good on him. We cheer for him. But I think it's really, really cool what he did. I think it's really cool that he's like, I want to be good and I want to try my best and I want to give this a real shot. And Hans and, and Jostein have uh, done a wonderful job. And But I mean, coaches can only do so much. Joe is the one that has to make the decisions. And, and two top 15 finishes at under 23s for, for Joe Davies is, was amazing. And then we do also had... That- do you, do you think so, he's going to be getting any letters from like uh, Trudeau being like, Hey, uh, you should consider repatriating yourself or, you know, maybe just from the Canadian Canadian coaching staff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would, I mean, like you, I no. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're nice in Canada, you know, it's uh, but it's uh, he, I'm really, really impressed with his, with, just his commitment. I don't know. I, it's going it alone and, and going uh, against the grain and, and the way he's doing it. I think it's, you know, of course I wish he was Canadian and stuff, but I, or like he is Canadian, but I wish he raced for Canada in some ways, but I also think the program that, that Britain's delivering and the belief that he's obviously has and, and has been given, uh, this is, this is so amazing. Like this is really, really, really fun to see and um cheering for him super loud and also there's another canadian british uh tabby williams she's also junior next year and totally off the radar no one would have expected this this results she was the 21st in the in the 10k skate uh the camor native with the british passport uh also amazing so the british team really delivered at world at world juniors and under 23s i have to say and the canadian team yeah, some okay performances, but left left some things to be desired, and then the American team uh, as well. Although there was some great junior performances by the Americans. I when you're top ten, I feel like what is it? Why is the U.S. always so good at World Juniors? Like, I feel like every single year you have multiple top tens at World Juniors. Um, so, Fish, you're doing a good job with the development, and whoever was before you, which was like, well, I know who was before you, but I'm not going to go into fall into the history lesson. Congratulations to everybody in Whistler. Really cool that you had the championship there. I hope people that were in the Pacific Northwest got a chance to, to take in some of the action in, uh, in paradise. We need uh we need like an, well, I think there actually was a English language broadcast. I was hearing, I think there were like some local announcers. So um, yeah. Okay. Both, there was, I don't, know, I don't know that it was on ski and snowboard live, but for folks that, that actually want to, you know, go deep on the, on the world juniors and U23s, check it out. Um, then the announcers that I heard, I, I saw some feeds with English, you know, just like some highlights and, and the guys were like, the guys were going ballistic. Like they were, it was, it was like, it was like uh, you know, Kentucky Derby home stretch kind of nice announcing for these, uh, for these races, like uh, Fun. In, in a good way. So um, yeah, go check it out. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'll be back soon. And, uh, yeah, Devin's probably got a commute to dream about and oh, don't, don't, don't even, you know what? It's a nice change from like the Hogwarts university, which is what the university of Oslo medical school is. We're stuck in like the 1830s over here. <laughs> so, uh, it's really nice to be doing some, uh, more clinically oriented stuff, even though it's, it makes for long days. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 